Hey everyone, guess what? We are hosting a conference. Join us June 10th for the Awaken Women's Conference in St. Joseph, Michigan. It's a one-day event to equip you and inspire you into having more impact and hearing from God for your life. Register right now at tinyurl.com forward slash Awaken Women and join Liz and I in St. Joseph, Michigan. This is the Joyful Mama Show. We want to help you take actionable steps toward dreams that have more impact, family life that has more peace, and motherhood that has more joy. We think that it's time for moms to rise up in entrepreneurship and change the world. But let's face it, it's hard to sort through all of the ways we get stuck in our own heads and in all of the things we feel like we're supposed to be doing. How can we change the world when we're overwhelmed with trying not to feel overwhelmed about homeschooling or power struggles with our kids or taking care of our own hearts, our bodies, and our minds? We want to give you the tools to find rest, joy, and healing while also taking your business and your dreams to the next level. You know you were made for more than hustle. You can feel that you were made for more than the lies that hold you back. And we believe that you were made for amazing things that impact the kingdom of God and the people that God has given you to impact for Him. You were made to be a joyful mama, to have a heart that is thriving, not striving. And we want to help you step into the fullness of all you were created to become. The thing that helped me make that last like jump into like fully kind of getting egalitarianism and and seeing it was realizing that there wasn't there wasn't consistency in that complementary camp and and me and Sarah had listened to like two professors debate both sides and that was the argument from the egalitarian professor he was saying well in that complementarian world there's like really fundamentalist ones who would say like all women have to wear head coverings because Paul said women should wear head coverings and they've got to have long hair. And then other complementarians would scoff at that and say, well, of course you don't have to wear a head covering and women can have short haircuts. Like there's no problem with that. He's saying, but why? Like, how did you land on this? This scripture is relevant and this one is not. He was just saying there's no consistency. And I would say the same to people who are saying women have to stay home like in that homeschool world, like, well, why? And, and how severe are you going to take this? You know, are you allowed to open your mouth at all with your husband? Like you could make an argument from these scriptures for insanely strict, like almost like Muslim Sharia law. And some people do take it that far where like the, the man spanks and beats the wife and they think that that's, you know, scriptural. And then you go all the way to your typical non-denominational soft complementarian church It'll let a woman have a job and they'll say really great things about her. But at the end of the day, she's still supposed to tend to all of the husband's emotional, sexual, physical expectations and and things like that. And there's just no consistency. And that was the part that I was like, okay, I think that kind of that just proves to me that this doesn't make logical sense. And this is not the only way to look at these scripture because no one is actually doing it the way they did 2000 years ago in early Palestine or Roman culture. Mm-hmm. Like we have reinterpreted these scriptures and we're still patriarchal about it, but we're picking and choosing how patriarchal we're going to be. Mm-hmm. So how did you choose to interpret the scriptures like as a whole? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, each one of them you could look at based on different things like some of these are scriptures that paul writes to the church in ephesus where there was very clearly this cult of artemis you know the great 
Artemis of the Ephesians passage. So there is this like female cult worship where women in Ephesus actually, it was a matriarchal society where the women dominated the men. And so mm-hmm. some of his like women should be silent in church and, and not teach has to be interpreted through that lens of what was happening in Ephesian culture. And then there's other scripture where I think we kind of have to compare it to like slavery, where there's scripture that seems to, if not advocate slavery, at least allow slavery. But I I think today, 99.99% of us in the Western world would say slavery is wrong and no one should own another person. But you can't necessarily make that argument based on the Bible verses. Mm. We've judged that by the Holy Spirit that maybe this was allowed in this culture at one time, but it doesn't mean that it's God's highest calling for humanity and for society. Mm. And so I, I think there's different lenses that you look at it, but I think it's not too hard. You're not having to like twist and manipulate and do weird things with scripture to get there. So what do you think God's highest is for men and women in marriage and family. Yeah. I mean, I think the highest, like if I was going to compare it to something biblically, I'd look at Adam and Eve before the fall. So after like they fell and they sinned, then God pronounces this like curse or judgment or even just consequence of sin that your husband will rule over you. And so I think prior to the fall, I think that's God's highest is where Adam and Eve are co-creating and co-laboring with God. And they probably had different you know, things that they excelled at in different areas of expertise. But to me, that's what marriage and society should look like is based on our skills and our giftings. We walk out the things God has called us to. And even that, that word um, helper, like when God first created Eve and he says to Adam, I've made a helper suitable for you. um, That Hebrew word, every other time that it's used, it's used to describe God. And it describes him like being a defender of Israel in battle. And so I was taught by a Hebrew uh, scholar years ago when I was in college, the the word imagery we should have for like a man and a woman is that they are back to back in battle. So where I'm weak, you're defending me. And where you're weak, I'm defending you. But neither one of us is lording over the other. I remember hearing someone basically say that because the curse had been pronounced on us and, you know, the woman's desire to be for the man and he would want to rule over her, should rule over her, however you interpret that, that now we have to live under that. And that when we get to heaven, that will go away. But Mm -hmm. for now, and I, I was like, do you realize what you're saying? Like you're saying that you have signed up to stay under the curse and the law that Jesus literally died on the cross Four. So you're going to choose to wait until heaven before you have freedom to live as an equal to your husband, instead of looking at the cross as that being the end of that curse and sin. And you're going to now embrace everything that he has given us because of his death. And you're you're not going to embrace it. You're going to wait until heaven. Like it just makes no sense to me that mm-hmm. someone would say that and then choose to live that way. And so I see so many women defending their position of that women should submit. Sometimes it seems like women are louder than men, even about this. And they truly have like, they are marching to see women submitted to men. And Mm -hmm. it's just hard to see, you know, women telling other women live under the curse, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it's kind of, it's so upside down to me. Okay. Last question. 
Did you have any fears about letting go of your right to demand <laughs> me to submit? Your <laughs> right to be the final say, your right to be the leader. What were your fears surrounding what our marriage would look like, what that would mean for you, like the implications on you? Yeah. Yeah. I, so I think like as a pastor or just as a devout Christian, like any guy might be afraid of like, oh, I'm going to be doing it wrong and not following scripture or something. But that wasn't like the real fear, you know, the real <laughs> fear would be like comparing yourself to the other men in your complementarian world and knowing like, oh, their home life looks different. They get more authority. And when they find out that I have less authority, then I'm going to look like less of a man or less of a human or whatever. So I think that was probably the greatest fear, not necessarily losing like, like, I just, oh, I just love telling you what to do. And I, you know, I hate the idea of losing that, but it was the idea of like being less in the eyes of other men in that complementarian world. Hmm. I would say even the same for me, I would not want women to look at me and see me as less of a woman because I'm not also leading in the home and using my voice that I was afraid that people would judge me for submitting to a man. Um, because in my mind, I never, ever would have married someone <laughs> who believed that. Like, I really, I always say like God tricked us because we just didn't open that can of worms until after marriage. And, you know, by then it's too late. And so, <laughs> Um, but I would, you know, I would never have told someone that my husband believed that I should submit to him and that we didn't have a relationship at the end of the day where we both believed it was in mutual submission, that we mutually hear from God, we submit to each other and we defer to each other. Um, so how would you, I guess I have one more question. How would you say our marriage functions now? Yeah. I mean, in large part, functionally, I don't know that it's changed a whole lot just maybe less arguments <laughs> um, yeah no I, I think our marriage has functioned under that idea of mutual submission and, and kind of like you know as a pastor at least in the the first church that I helped pastor the idea was that as an pastoral team or an elder team God's going to speak to all of us and if we have different ideas about what's to happen then one of us or all of us hasn't heard from God yet. And so we're just going to keep praying and keep waiting on God. And so it was easy to take that mindset into marriage. Now, yes, there was some times where I was really annoyed that you wouldn't just let me be the voice and be the leader. But that concept of just, you know, okay, we disagree about something. That's fine. If this is something God has for me or has for our family, like no one can steal that from me. So I'm just going to keep waiting on the Lord. And I don't have to be in inner turmoil or frustration or stress because you're not believing what I want you to believe. Like that's the Holy Spirit's job to help us here and to be unified. So good. Now, I think one thing that, oh, sorry. I was going to just throw a question back to you guys. We talked about like the fear that a man in my position, you know, might have of like stepping out of complementarianism. But what about a, a mom or a woman or a homeschool mom? who was raised and has lived and currently exists in that complementarian world, like how much fear or how hard is that to begin believing something different than all of your peers in your home church? And yeah, I think it is. There definitely is fear. I even, you know, like with, we were talking about entrepreneurship and starting a business. I remember the shift that happened even when I started talking about creating wealth for our family 
um, just stepping outside like the normal homeschool mom box and how there was resistance and kind of felt like I was voted off the island a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wasn't invited to sit at the cool mom's table anymore because I was just different. So this is like that times a thousand. And even in just like side conversations, when you start talking about leadership um, in any you know leadership in your home, leadership in your church, leadership, I mean, even like in a political arena or, you know, just in your community, the women who have just gotten really comfortable and maybe it's because like you said, it's all they've ever known. It just kind of hits a little nerve and it's like, it strikes something in them that they're just uncomfortable. And so I don't like making people uncomfortable. So for me, it's like, oh man, I'd rather not talk about it than me make you uncomfortable, which makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel like the consequence of not speaking out about this is that it continues and it perpetuates. And then it continues to maybe even get worse as time goes by. It's easier for me to think in terms of like what I want for my daughters sometimes than it is to think in terms of what I want for myself. And you know, that saying like whatever one generation tolerates the next will embrace. I'm like, if I tolerate this, like just, I can only speak up in some, some situations. I'm only allowed to do certain things. I can't do this, but I can't do this. And it's all tied to, because I'm a woman, we've been reading Anna Green Gables and even looking back to like the beginning of she wore pants. Oh my goodness. She, you know, like the things that um, they were facing, like the beginning of women stepping into, like, I can do some of the same things that a man can do. A woman can own a business. A woman can wear trousers. It's just, um, it's worth overcoming that fear. And I think that it is a safety, but it's like a false safety. It's like a false piece that like, oh, I just have to submit. That means I don't have to think about what my voice is because I just ultimately get to like disappear under the, the, in the shadow of my husband. And as long as he's a spiritual leader and a good Christian man, then I don't have to think about what my opinion is because my opinion is what his is. It really creates this, like you said, it's a half picture of what God wants to reveal in us as men and women, because women are are not even taught how to even know what they think, Mm -hmm. you know, like, what's my opinion? I don't know. I have to submit. What do Mm -hmm. you think about that? I don't know. Even if I think about what I think, it doesn't matter because ultimately he wins because he's the guy. So I just think it's so worth overcoming that fear so that we can all kind of get to a place where we lean into our giftings, lean into the things that that we want and that we like, and that it doesn't mean we're selfish and it doesn't mean we're feminists <laughs> in a bad sense, but we're we're, we're human. You guys ha- are such a beautiful picture of how great this can be because you're both, like you said, you're equally yoked mm-hmm. and you both are submitted and surrendered to the Lord and you love each other. So there's like that inner drive that you just both want to do what's right. I think this plays out differently and it's harder when you do have a couple or a situation where maybe one is submitted to the Lord, a husband or wife is, and then the other isn't, or there's different levels of spiritual and emotional maturity. So one more question I would have is what advice would you have for those couples maybe that are not equally yoked either in terms of spiritual health or emotional health? Um, and what if, would you have for the one who's like, man, I, I really want to step into my role and my identity, but it may not be well-received by the other spouse? It's a good question. I have seen many men saying they believe in egalitarianism and the wife has just been staunchly like, no, I want you to lead me and I will submit to you. 
So this does go both ways. Yeah. It's easier yeah. for the woman to not have a voice to just say, oh, I'll just go with the flow. And if the woman is like, I want to be biblically accurate, like I want to follow God right, you know? And, and then I have also, when you're talking about not being spiritually yoked, when you have a man who is not seeking after God's heart, but he is still using the authority that complementarianism gives him, it can get real dangerous real fast. Mm-hmm. And so many women have been under abusive relationships in all sorts of horrible ways because they have been ingrained with this doctrine and these ways of thinking and the man has all the power. And so you see a lot of power imbalances uh, that can be really dangerous. But So I would say having been in that position as a man who didn't want to let go of that or was struggling to let go of it, I couldn't be forced into it, I guess. Like I needed the the time and the space to to process it without feeling like you're like overbearing and like trying to like force me through this thing I'm not ready to go through. But it might be a place where even like, you know, marital counseling comes into play if there's like a a true division there. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's not like, it's not easy. There's not like an automatic formula that I'm aware of. Yeah. And I definitely used my voice to express mm-hmm. my, this is not what I want. This is not what I think is biblical. This is not what I think God has for me and for you and for us and our families this is not what I want for our kids. I think I definitely expressed like, I'm not okay with this. And I understand that you don't agree with me biblically and you're not there yet but I'm not okay with where our marriage is at currently, but we are going to close this subject off for a little bit and I'm going to let you process and we will mm-hmm. maybe come back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because it was much easier for us because our marriage was functionally egalitarian. It was mm-hmm. not functionally complementarian. So for the person who is wanting to like break out of this, especially when it's the woman and you have the power imbalance. This is very, very difficult. And there are resources out there. There are books that can help you through this in different areas, whether it's, you know, in the bedroom or whether it, um, you know, there's so many YouTube videos, there's people debating this. There's, there's so many resources now where you can hear other sides of the argument, but it might be unfortunately a lonely journey that you might be on by yourself for a while. Like I was, you know, waiting for my husband to hopefully one day mm-hmm. agree with me. I will say like, as a, a practical thing, like growing up in that complementarian culture, you definitely hear it even from like um oh, who are the the people in that network the the gospel coalition like there's some like strong proponents for this commentators and they tend to present their argument in the sense of like you can't possibly come to this other conclusion without distorting the bible or doing you know some kind of you know jujitsu kind of thing with your interpretation and I think one of the things that helped me is just an initial point was realizing, okay, there's lots of really well-regarded scholars that think differently. So I wasn't there immediately, but just knowing like, okay, this is really debatable, actually. It's not what I had kind of been taught and what I had heard in my teens and my 20s that like, oh, this is just such an obvious, anyone who's not in line with this is just not biblical. And I remember hearing a, a teaching from this British uh, scholar, N.T. Wright, super, super well-regarded, one of the you know most expert 
New Testament theologians in the world and him basically saying, we don't really have this issue in Great Britain. <laughs> you know, we, we've kind of moved past this issue of complementarianism a while ago. And I'm sure that's not like carte blanche in every denomination, but that was eye-opening to me too, that, okay, this is also America is more patriarchal than England and probably most of Europe and really conservative Orthodox theologians in Britain don't find this to be the same issue. So that was really helpful to me, just as a starting point, that mm -hmm. there's a reasonable argument on both sides. I think the underlying thing with complementarianism is it's all about the man's needs, wants, desires, and that our job as women is just to meet the needs, fulfill the desires, make your life easier. And in a place of like mutual submission and like genuine love. Like I, I know for me, like I, I generally want to do what my husband wants me to do because if he's happy, I'm happy. Right. But as soon as there's that, like I have to, you know, if you take freedom out of the equation, if you take choice out of the equation, then you can't really actually have love. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's right? possible, right? Mm -hmm. So just from a foundational standpoint, like why would God create up a, a system that violates the gospel mm -hmm. and who he is and what he came, you know, if there's no free will, if there's no choice, then there's no love. And while you're talking, I just got this picture in my head of like, we're kind of taught that the man is the tree and the woman just stands there with the watering can watering it. So it grows and it thrives. And the actual picture is there's two trees separate side by side, but their roots growing in together and God is holding the watering can and you grow up together, you know, and then you bring your children, your little saplings, and they grow up to be big trees beside you. And you grow them into the leaders that got, that they're supposed to be. And God's watering the whole family. And that's the way we want to live our lives so that everybody gets to fully express the giftings and the callings that God has put inside of them. Our kids, our husbands, wives, everybody, everybody gets to express who God is to the earth. They get to be that light in the darkness. He gets to shine through us all. So good. Thanks for having me on and bringing me into this conversation. Yeah. Thanks for being our first guest <laughs> here on the Joyful Lama Show. We look forward to more guests in the future. We have some guests booked and we're super excited to bring some people on, some experts in different areas, just to have more discussions with you guys. And you'll still hear from Liz and I, and hopefully we'll get um, another sourdough update from Liz soon. And the sourdough wrote, uh oh, she's giving me the thumbs down, basically. <laughs> Look at that sourdough. <laughs> so we'll hear more on her sourdough uh, road that has apparently ended. And <laughs> but we love you guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. To get our free heart-centered homeschooling ebook or to book a breakthrough call about homeschooling or business with Sarah, visit the links in the description of this podcast. Also, we always want to hear your questions or ideas for new podcasts, so do please slide into our DMs on Instagram or post in our Facebook group. We would love to hear from you.